Welcome to the Reported Missing Podcast, where we investigate why Canadians go missing, how it affects society, and what is being done to prevent and respond to the issue. Hi listener, I'm Becca, a Canadian journalist, missing persons advocate, and your host for this podcast. You are listening to episode 7, and so far in this podcast, you've gotten to hear the stories of missing persons told by the people who know them best, who raised them, love them, and who will leave no stone unturned looking for them. It's not easy trying to find a missing loved one, especially when you don't know where to begin to look. It becomes so overwhelming and so much work that typically families will create a team where each person has their own task to tackle. Like, for example, you heard on episode 5, Holly Clark's family organized an entire search team, a news media team, a social media team, and as Al and Dave talked about, they still felt like there was so much to do, and they couldn't have done it without the support of their community. Another example, Marshall's story on episode 4. His sister Paige and her mom cousins and other family of marshals also organized a team of a dozen people working to get his story to reach nationwide headlines to get thousands of signatures on a petition to get his case changed to criminal and they created a facebook group that is by far one of the most organized i've seen and has over 20,000 members and if you remember from episode two with maureen trask Her son Daniel went missing in a very remote location in northern Ontario. Their biggest challenge was the amount of land they had to cover with steep mountain drops and bodies of water. But what if you had a missing loved one and you didn't just have a few hundred miles to look for clues, but multiple countries? What if you had a missing loved one who was high risk, a child? What if you had a missing loved one who was a child who was abducted to a different country and you didn't have that team of a dozen people to help you in your search efforts? A couple of months ago, on August 16th, I was sitting in my living room waiting for a scheduled interview with Kristen Allen to talk about her daughter Tatiana's disappearance. It wasn't the first time I spoke with her. I had done two pre-interviews with her. I could tell she was nervous in a way she hadn't been with me before, and she told me why. Her daughter Tatiana's birthday was two days away on August 18th, and she was experiencing a range of emotions. Prior to the very first conversation I had with Kristen, I knew very little about Tatiana. I just knew that she was a five-year-old girl from Brampton, Ontario, who was abducted by her father, two years ago in the summer of 2018, and that her case remains unsolved. After speaking with Kristen for hours, interviewing her, getting her to open up to me about her daughter and her experience searching for her, I can honestly say that I was so touched, still am very touched by her story, and it's one of those that just sticks. This is the very first time that Kristen has talked about Tatiana's story to this extent with the public. This is the story of Tatiana Cuevas. 
when her father and I planned to have her and I found out that I actually conceived and I just remember sitting there and just you know saying to my stomach that you know I'm gonna protect you and I'm gonna do everything that I can for you you know I'm gonna be the best mom and we're gonna have so much you know good times and adventures and everything like that that is what I've stuck to is that my child comes before me my child's wants and needs comes before me Tatiana was actually premature by a few weeks um and so I remember just her being born being a rush of you know madness I mean her birth was extremely fast um unexpected but at the end it ended up being extremely positive and I just remember all the fear and concern and worry that I had you know over if she's going to be okay is she going to be alive is she going to survive just turning into this growth of love and hope and just really surprised at how connected you could feel to somebody right away. My family was my rock at that time. I had actually moved back in to get some help from my mother, um, my aunts, and everybody just lent a hand because it was an emergency delivery. Um, I was still recovering from the surgery and they all stepped in to take care of Tat and dropped me to the hospital while she was still in NICU. Um, being there for me, trying to help me learn to be, you know, brand new mom. Her first year was I, I feel like it kind of went by so quickly, just, you know, thinking about it now, it, it just seemed very fast. But I remember just learning to be a parent and also trying to be the better person in my relationship with her father. I broke things off with her father when she was around four months, just based on the fact that things that he was saying and doing didn't match up with his words. And after that, it, it just ended up becoming more of me sacrificing what I wanted for what his, his likes were. And after I finished the relationship and I stopped putting his wants above mine is when things started to turn sour. And then it's it just seemed as though he was being extremely mean. I ended up getting into a car accident and I had to get physiotherapy. And I had the opportunity to put my daughter into daycare and once he found out that I had her enrolled, he 
forced me to take her out saying that he didn't believe it was against his beliefs and that it was essentially an invasion of his trust and from then I just remember him saying well if you're in an accident you're able to take care of your child I feel as though a lot of my conversations with him were trying to appease him trying to get him to compromise to negotiate of him actually being able to hear me and not verbally just shut me down to not even wanting to work together in my brain I remember just being like well if I do more of what he's suggesting, then he won't be so mean. And so therefore we'll be able to work on whatever it is that we have and try to save that for our child, because that's where I was coming from. Tatiana, as she was growing, that, that was my main view. You know, that is the importance of all of this is that even though we're not together, we're still going to work together because we have a child together. On July of 2018, Tatiana's father, John Varga Cuevas, told Kristen, who is Tatiana's mother, that he was planning a trip to Europe for Tatiana, a trip to France and Germany. Kristen wasn't exactly comfortable with the idea of letting her daughter travel with John alone, especially to a different country, but after speaking with her lawyer, she agreed to. You see, in Canada, court systems want both parents to have equal custody of their children as much as possible. That is the best case scenario. Kristen had full custody of Tatiana, but she was told that if she made it difficult for John to receive time with their daughter, that it wouldn't be what's best for Tatiana. This had been the case from the beginning. This was told to her from the beginning. Now, after Kristen agreed to let John take Tatiana to Europe, he still had to provide a detailed itinerary on where he was going to take Tatiana, and he had to get written consent from Kristen. So on Friday, July 20th, John provided Kristen with an itinerary. He sent her a text message asking her to look over the itinerary and to let him know if it was good to go. He also asked her to write up a letter of travel confirming that he was the father and that she was giving him consent to travel with Tatiana. Kristen replied to his text on Sunday saying the itinerary was fine and she also made a request that Tatiana call her once they landed just to say hi. He agreed. For the next week, Tristan and John texted back and forth to set up a time for Kristen to drop Tatiana off one last time before their trip. They were scheduled to leave on July 29th and arrive back in Toronto on August 12th. And the plan was for John to drop off Tatiana at Kristen's house that same day. When August 12th came, Kristen sent John a text message asking if he was still dropping off Tatiana as they discussed. He didn't reply. A couple hours later, she sent him another text saying she hadn't heard from him and wanted to ensure he was dropping Tatiana off that evening. And once again, he didn't reply. It was the worst case scenario for Kristen. Her daughter was gone. 
Kirsten was becoming more and more concerned, fearing for her daughter's safety and life. So she contacted local authorities and Tatiana was reported missing on the 14th of August. One week later, a Canada-wide warrant was issued for John Varga Cuevas for the criminal charge of contravention of a court order. Investigators found that from July 29th to August 4th, Tatiana and John were spotted in Paris, France, Budapest, Hungary, Dubai, and Nigeria. The last sighting of them was on August 4, 2018. Tatiana and John were seen on video surveillance at the airport in Togo, West Africa. There have been no further sightings since then. Tell me about your time searching for your daughter. What has it been like for you? It's been hard. I feel as though I am almost writing a story while living through it at the same time. I'm learning. I have no real you know, answers, which is scary. Um, I try not to be disheartened. A lot of this investigation has been spent with me having no idea where my child is. I, I mean, even now, it's just meant with a lot of what ifs, a lot of just a lot about the what should happen i guess what shouldn't happen about protocols about legal um legal things i just feel as though this the investigation has been me learning as i go being out of my element but having to persevere through it and try to think about what's best to try to find my daughter and, you know, look at what's the best course of action for that benefit. How much of your time is spent on searching for her? That is an everyday job that that's it's a 24-hour job it's the equivalent of being a parent it it has the ability of taking over your life because it's something that it doesn't stop there isn't necessarily a an on or off and obviously as a parent you want to keep at it especially when I have like an idea or something I, I, I try to go at it but it is a full-time job for me you know there's always something I could think of or research or try to imagine or go back in time to try to you know think about it there it, there's not an off it's a full full-time job on top of having a full-time job with you know more full-time jobs and obligations that you know, I, I have in my life. So it, 
it is an all-the-time job. I can't even say it's a full-time job. It's like an all-the-time job. What are some resources that you feel would really help you in your search? I, at the end of the day, need answers and, and leads and, and tips. And I know that I don't have any capability of, of getting any of that. I feel as though having somebody to search to actually go through, you know, track records or who has more knowledge about legal services, about the ins and outs of a missing person's investigation that can, you know, assist and, and add some insight into all those what-if questions that I don't have answers to. That's essentially what I would need now. I mean, there isn't any concrete, you know, answers that I have right now, and that's what I need. How do you hope the public can help you in your search for your daughter? I would hope that if there's anybody who had tips or leads would be able to call and contribute so that way there would be something for this investigation to go off of. I would hope that the public would be able to appeal to anybody to share this case and to spread awareness that that my daughter is missing and there's been very little for anybody to go off of. And I don't have all the answers. I have, I am learning as I go, but if there are ways that the public can help that I haven't thought of, I am more than willing to accept it. Do you feel like you've been supported by your community, by police? Do you feel like you've been supported just in general? Currently, I feel as though the momentum is starting to come. I realize now that not, not a lot of people knew about my case. It wasn't made wildly available you know, the knowledge of her disappearance. And unless there's knowledge that there's a problem going on, there's not really the ability to fix it. And I feel as now with hopefully more publicity, more people understanding of my situation, that the support that does come in is increased, you know, with people understanding that there's barriers to how her story's been made aware to the public. Her birthday is on the 18th, so it's coming up. What are some of the emotions going through your mind? Oh, huh. It's funny because it's, it's like this almost with really every holiday. Um, after she was taken, I want to say the first year, every holiday, every, you know, birthday, Christmas, like even, you know, Halloween, things like that was just extremely hard. 
it's difficult because it was paired with a memory that I've had or an experience that I've had, you know, of she's not here. You know, she's not here. They're, they experienced that she was and now just poof, she isn't. And it breaks. It breaks me. It does. And I, I have to be kind to myself because I think me trying to almost like shelter that away is, is not admitting how much you know of a disconnect this is you know not having my daughter now in the last you know few weeks of me just saying you know there are these very big very significant dates coming up and instead of letting it overpower you overwhelm you trying to flip it so that way you know you're adding something positive to it you're going to take control of this day you're going to take control of your feelings around it as well you know it's it's a celebration her birthday it was a celebration because she you know it she almost didn't make it if I didn't, you know, call in to, to notice that she wasn't moving so much, if I didn't drive myself to the hospital, if I didn't get checked out and then them realizing that her heart rate was dropping and that they needed to do an emergency cesarean, if they didn't, you know, call a code pink and put a breathing tube down her throat, if they didn't do all of those things, having her in NICU, you know, she went battled through low you know, platelets and jaundice and white blood cell count. And, you know, she had stopped breathing. She had to do tests. Something was going on with her kidneys. There was a plethora of things that could have gone wrong, but she's fought through it. She's been a fighter from since birth and it should be celebrated. You know, she's, she's going to be eight and that's eight years of her having to overcome something that really very few children should have to experience and i need to think about that too you know it's a it's sad it's it's so overwhelmingly sad that i'm not able to have my daughter beside me but i need to i need to be i need to think of this in another way I need to because there's strength in that there's positivity in that and that is what I that is what is important right now I feel what do you miss the most about your relationship with her there's so much I literally just going through it all um I know it'd be like very short and cheesy to just say everything, but my, my daughter, I keep saying she's like the biggest blessing and I feel as though she's such an old soul that it's almost as though despite everything that I went through with her father, it was just comfort. I miss, I miss knowing that her love is unwavering as well as you know, her joys, she's always teaching me something. 
just even in how to approach life. And oh, she's the kindest soul. She's the kindest person. She's always thought of others and so selfless and just I miss the I miss being her mom and and having the opportunity to share my life with my children having her there a part of my everyday life finding out how her day is and all the things in between and I, I miss the time that I've I've lost I miss experiences that I've lost I miss her and I don't know how how much else I could say that I, it's just it's irreplaceable you know what really stood out about her her perseverance and her her ability to fight and power through things despite how she may feel or I guess things that she's had to go through especially given her age I think that is something that is really apparent with my daughter is that she's she she's such a fighter she perseveres through everything you know there's been five years of a court case there's been the her you know being caught in the middle of something that she shouldn't have been caught in the middle of and somehow she's still so positive and so bubbly so vibrant so wanting to be you know your friend and talk about different things she it just it never bothers just the resilience And that is so admirable. What do you feel that perseverance and resilience of hers, what effect do you feel it's had on you? It's definitely given me a different view on how I, I walk through this experience. Because every time I, I think about how hard it is, about how you know, overwhelmed things have gotten me, you know, I keep thinking about that, again, she doesn't have a choice, and she's still walking this pathway, too, and she's younger than I am, and it's given me purpose to keep going and to keep fighting, to keep the hope, and to not stop, because I know she's doing the exact same thing. Are there any specific memories or experiences that you remember having with her that you think about all the time? The good memories are the ones I try to surround myself by. That in the last 
bit before she had left, she had done a concert for school and just how proud of her of herself she was for that and being able to sing and dance and being a part of a group because that's so much she wanted that so much about her especially with her brother and just her connection with him and just the how caring she was and she'd always call him her beloved her little beloved and just would talk about it to everybody and just show him off and just doing art together because she's so crafty she just made necklaces and, and things for for me and pictures and getting these little notes around the house of the things that she wanted to do that day or things that she she liked doing she'd leave them for me to find and just the day, the everyday normalcy of having her in, in my life, which didn't really happen until the last few months before she was taken. So being able to just wake up and have my child and just have everyday normal experiences and those all run through my brain as well because that that's what I had imagined the relationship to to have been from a long time from before but you know I still cherish the times that I did have before she left if Tatiana had a chance to listen to this what do you want to say to her Oh, I love you. I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> I have so much words. I don't even think I can say them all. <sighs> there is so much. There's so much that I would say, say, I love her, I love you, and I definitely want you home. But it's not the same without you here. And I absolutely miss you here with me and the family. My gosh, I... Oh... Sorry about that. Thinking about her just just the thought of her hearing that maybe she would hear this or be listening in makes me uh, just overcome with emotion just because that's that would mean that I, that this is, that all I've worked towards is, 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 is coming to fruition. That there's, that there's a connection that it's all worth it. That it wasn't just radio silence. That there's, 
but that there's that connection again and that this crazy ride that we're on right now could be finished and that it could come to an end and that she could be found and come home and that overwhelms me because that's all it's all I've hoped and I've dreamed for the last couple of years I feel being honest with how I feel and my emotions and you know letting myself cry if I need to and not being embarrassed um, and then being able to find you know the the th strength and thought power to be like you know I just had a moment but you know what pick myself up and let's keep going because my daughter doesn't have a choice to stop right now so I can't and that's really it my children are my life my family's my life you know I would do anything for them and that to me is more important than if I you know feel like I, you know, I'm feeling super, you know, down because there are those days I'm only human, I'm not a robot, but you know, just being honest and kind with myself and me pushing through because perseverance is really important to me. This is, it's, it's like a marathon and I have to keep going. One of the things that is embedded in our brains as journalists is not to get attached to stories, to people, to let stories affect us personally. But you know, we're human and I've been strictly focusing on missing persons. Let me tell you that it is not easy interviewing families for hours, asking difficult questions, Watching them break down in tears, it is not easy learning about the details of someone's disappearance, especially when it involves a child. There wasn't a way for me to not get attached to Tatiana's story. This interview with Kristen was one of the toughest and most emotional ones I've done because I knew how difficult it was for Kristen to open up yet another time about her daughter's disappearance. She described it to me as opening up a wound and feeling the pain all over again, feeling those emotions all over again. It was hard for me to hide my own tears during this interview, but I know my feelings are minuscule compared to what Kristen is going through or what Tatiana is going through. So I found out through the Government of Canada website on this topic that Canada does not have exit controls, which means people leaving the country do not go through an immigration check. This makes it hard for authorities to keep people from leaving. And so if a parent abducts a child before leaving the country, that parent may leave the country with the child very soon after abducting them and it would be very difficult for authorities to track them. In Tatiana's case, though, John had the advantage of planning ahead, 
and getting consent from Kristen. Planning a two-week trip gave him plenty of time to travel as far as he could without being traced. There are a lot of wrongs in this case, beyond just John abducting Tatiana. I'm talking about before he did that. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that Kristen and I talked a few other times prior to this interview. Well, the other times we spoke, she told me everything that happened in the months leading up to Tatiana's disappearance, and the things that happened were major red flags that should have been concerning and noticed by courts and by lawyers as signs of parental abduction in the making. I will give you a little bit of context, but I won't go into detail and I will explain why. First off, this wasn't the first time Tatiana was abducted by her father. Second, he made comments in court implying he would abduct Tatiana. Third, he made some major life changes like closed bank accounts, sold his belongings, quit his job. The government of Canada lists about 15 warning signs to be on the lookout for. I will be posting all 15 of them on my Instagram account if you want to go take a look at them. It's at reported missing pod. And out of all 15, John met at least 13 of them based on my conversations that I had with Kristen and based on court documents that Kristen gave me access to. I think it's crucial that we understand these flaws in the system so that they can be changed. However, the reason and only reason I'm not going into detail and releasing too much information beyond this is because my concern and Kristen's concern is about Tatiana and her safety. Me releasing the details about how the system failed Kristen and her daughter will not help find Tatiana. She is considered a high-risk missing person due to the nature of the abduction and the fact that she is only a child. First, we need to ensure that Tatiana is safe and back with her mom here in Canada. Then maybe Kristen will be comfortable talking publicly about the details that transpired prior to Tatiana's abduction. I'm not done with this topic yet. Parental abductions are a problem in Canada, far more common than stranger abductions. And it is something I'll be exploring further in future episodes. But I really wanted this episode to be dedicated to Tatiana and her story and leave out all the details on why parental abductions occur, search efforts, challenges, etc. That will come on another day. Tatiana was 40 pounds at the time of the abduction and she is probably now 45 to 50 pounds. Tatiana is also referred to as Bibi or Bijou. That is what Cuevas calls her. John also goes by the name Juan. John Carlos Varga Cuevas is his full name. He is 41 years old and he is Tatiana's biological father. He also goes by John Varga or Dr. John Varga. He is an optometrist by trade. He goes by Carlos Cueva, Carlos Cuevas, John Varga Cuevas, and John Cuevas. If you have any information about Tatiana and John's whereabouts, please reach out to Peel Regional Police at 905-453-3311. You can also submit a tip anonymously. They have no way of tracking where you are, who you are. It is 100% anonymous. You can call 
222-8477 and your tip will be submitted to the appropriate individuals. Before ending off this episode, I want to ask you to please support Tatiana's mother, Kristen. If you felt touched by Tatiana's story, please support Kristen in her search for her daughter by joining the Facebook page, Tatiana Cuevas. I will put it up on my Instagram, at reportedmissingpod. And she also has an Instagram account, at helpfindtatiana. And if you are able to, please donate to her GoFundMe page. I will link it on my website and Instagram. As you heard Kristen say, this is a full-time, everyday job for her. She doesn't have an entire team helping her like other families typically do. She is doing this on her own with the support of her family and close friends, of course, but everything else she does on her own. And if she receives enough donations, she may be able to afford a private investigator. As always, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite listening app and... That's it for today. I'll talk to you next time.